like notes through the hourglass. These are the songs of our lives. Welcome to the latest episode of Songs of Our Lives. I am Brad Rose. I am a writer, a musician, a composer, an artist, a whole bunch of other things. I am the founder of Foxy Digitalis. And I think about music and sound probably far more than is healthy. Each week, I invite on a guest and talk to them about what makes them them, but through songs that have meant a lot to them, basically. This week, I'm really excited to have Mark Masters, who is a writer, an author, a podcaster. Um, he's kind of the, what I think of experimental music writers. He's often the sort of first name that pops into my head. Um, he has just written a book called High Bias, The Distorted History of the Cassette. It is out now. It is exactly what it sounds like. It is a history of the cassette in a book. So, hey, and it's really good. It's really interesting. I I really enjoyed it. And he also released, which is really cool, a tape compilation, this music from the book, because in the last chapter, he talks about, he talks about like current tape labels. And so each of the labels he talks about gave him a song from their catalog and he put it on a compilation and you can get that off of his band camp, which I have, of course, linked in the show notes. Beyond that, there's even more. Can you believe that? There's even more. He has a podcast called the Music Book Podcast, which is it's about music books and he talks to the authors basically about how they wrote their books. So less so much about what is in the book, but how they wrote it, which I think is so fascinating, especially for the ones, the books that I've read to hear how it kind of came to be. I've really, really enjoyed that. And last but not least is the spindle podcast on wasteoids, which he and John Howard, they do it every other week. They pick seven inch. They talk about it. It's a lot of good fun. So Mark's a super busy guy, which makes it even more amazing that he took the time out, to talk to me about all these songs. So we did this on Zoom, had a great time. I hope you enjoy it. All right, my guest today is a writer and author, which are sort of the same thing, but sort of not. Um, a a former tennis fan and a current baseball fan? I don't know. You used to post a lot about tennis, and now you don't. Um, but anyway, welcome to the show, Mark Masters. <laughs> oh, thanks so much for having me. And thanks for – that's very accurate with my sports fandom. I appreciate that. I don't think anybody's ever actually realized that. But, that, yeah, big switch from tennis to baseball. Now, so. uh, uh, what happened? <laughs> uh, well, weirdly, at one point we decided we wanted to do some cord cutting, and I lost the tennis channel. And without uh, without the tennis it. channel, it's really hard to keep up with anybody beyond the big players. And then my son got into baseball, so it was a smooth there transition. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I was. I think I've learned more. I know about what's going on more in baseball because of your Twitter feed than I do of anything else. That's, <laughs> that's funny. Like my world is like uh-huh. soccer, European. So- that's where, oh, I, where nice, my nice. obsession is. My but, son's really getting into uh, that too, but I, I I know so little about that that it, it, I'd love to find out more. But gosh, it's it's such a different world. I, you know? It is. It's yeah. It's it's bizarre um, yeah. in a lot of ways. But but anyway, uh, you also have a new book coming out. That's I, I think do. that's the big thing called High Bias. Um, 
it's uh, is it music what is it just high bias Gosh, well it's I called high bias the, distor- the distorted history of the cassette the history of the... Yeah. yeah i'm sitting exactly. here looking and there's also a tape compilation that comes with it and i'm like yeah high bias music from the book no that's not the name of the book <laughs> right <laughs> that is um, the tape about the book <laughs> t- yeah <laughs> but not an audio book nobody get confused no, it's not um <laughs> um what what made you as a avid fan of tapes and mm-hmm. i can honestly say that tapes kind of changed my life but what made yeah. you want to write a book about tapes well it's an idea i had kicking around for a while i actually uh, started it with another publisher at one point but it never really got anywhere but the weird thing is it's good just as sort of a coincidence that this one worked out i my friend bobby power who runs geographic north oh. I think you probably know him yes he has a no. friend from former school. foxy digitalist writer yeah. exactly yeah great guy great guy <laughs> and a friend of his from college is an editor at unc press and he happened to mention oh. to bobby one day hey i'm thinking about doing a cassette book and bobby was nice enough to recommend me and i proposed it and it's all worked out from then so i owe bobby a ton for, for that connection. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. And and then when there's, a, there's a track from his label on the tape. So. Oh, great. Yeah, well, yeah, Geographic North is one of the... What a great label. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, I'm, what were some of the things... Like, as you were digging in and doing the research and the writing, mm-hmm. what are what's something that maybe you didn't know or that really surprised you that you learned as you were learning about the history of tapes? Yeah. There's a lot of a lot of things like that, definitely. I mean, probably the two biggest ones are like the way that so many genres <clears throat> really deeply invested in tapes, like especially hip hop. I mean, it's just amazing how mm-hmm. that's the one tied the most to cassettes. If it weren't for cassettes, I, I don't even know where hip hop would be right now. I mean, that's the way it got circulated for so long before it ever was really on any kind of official releases or anything. And it and it just went so deep in terms of like I mean the DJs were making their own tapes and selling them on the street. They were making their living off of <laughs> cassette tapes, basically. Before, right. Before, you know, so that was a big one. I knew that, kind of knew about that, but I didn't realize how deep it ran. And then also the the international impact, which again, with all the different labels like mm. Sahel Sounds and Sublime Frequencies and Awesome Tapes from Africa, it's not like we don't know that cassettes over there exist, but, but once you dig really far into that, the way that it worked over in those countries like in Egypt, my, my friend Andrew Simon has this really good book on cassette culture in Egypt, I mean, the, the government basically said the radio stations cannot can only play this kind of music and labels can only put out this kind of music. And the only way that music that they didn't approve of ever got circulated was on cassettes. And so, like, wow, yeah, a lot of the lot of artists who never would have recorded recorded for cassette and a lot of music that never would have gone anywhere only exists on cassette in some of these countries. So I thought that was pretty awesome. That's really awesome. Yeah, yeah that's really cool. Yeah, yeah I. For me, it was, I, I remember I was, I had my first tape label in 1994 mm-hmm. and it was, it was bad. It was, it, it's funny. I kind of comes full circle because it was a vanity label where it was just me and my friends and all our projects. Right. And now the jewel garden is kind of me and all my friends and all our projects. <laughs> right. But I, I, I remember the first time like getting a tape from a tape label. Mm-hmm. I think it was union pole actually. Oh uh, yeah. And think realizing, oh my God, mm-hmm. you can just do this. Right. Like you can just have a record label and put out music right you don't need any and yeah. so yeah i i love tapes yeah um, yeah i mean that 90s were such an awesome time for tape labels and like i at yeah. one point i was like I, i'm gonna get everything on shrimper no matter what it takes for me to find right. it yep. and stuff and there yep. were certain tapes like that and, and those tapes those labels especially shrimper but like union pole too and a lot of those they took advantage of the because like it was music made for cassette in a lot of ways it wasn't mm-hmm. just the convenience of being able to put it out that way it's like you needed to listen to that stuff continuously 
you know, without yes. breaks, without picking up the needle and stuff, you know? So yes, yeah, that was a great, sure. great heyday for it for sure. Yeah. Shrimper. I, Shrimper is one of the most formative labels of, yeah. Like Foxy Digitalis doesn't exist without Shrimper. Yeah. A lot of things don't definitely. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and you know, that's one of those labels. It's amazing. That it's still going. Oh yeah. It's incredible. And, yeah. Like, I mean, there's anyway. such cool people. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, so not only have you, so you've written this book and when mm-hmm. it's out uh, officially on Fishing October 3rd, but really, okay. really, I mean, if you ordered from anywhere, you'll probably get it before then. Although by the time this airs, it might be right around then anyway, but either way, yeah, October yeah. 3rd, let's, let's say it's October 3rd. It's released date Cause that's what okay. it's supposed to be. <laughs> Perfect. Um, and, and you've also, I also wanted to quick mention too, cause you've got a podcast, the music book podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you just, talk a little bit about that sure and... yeah so this is just a podcast where i talk to each episode is one author who's written a book about music usually relatively recent but i've done some older ones too and uh it's focused really on on how they how books get written not so, as more so than the mm. content of the book so that we talk about both but I, I mean in the process of writing this one and then also reading some of my friends ones especially i don't know if you there's this book by eric harvey called uh, who got the camera that's about rap music and reality tv and the intersections between them <laughs> and uh oh, that sounds really interesting. it's an amazing no, book and when, when i was reading it i was like how in the world did he put this together and i started thinking about why well, I, I should just call him up and talk to him because we're friends yeah and then i realized well this is actually kind of an interesting question for anybody who's written a book because there's so many yeah. weird stages to it there's so many decisions you have to make so so yeah so that's what that podcast is all about yeah i love that i'm i'm a big i, I find process really interesting like yeah. hearing how people get because you know i mean with all of these things you see this finished product and it you, yeah. it just feels like uh-huh. it's oh it's this fully formed thing and it's right. like gosh the, <laughs> the way it gets there and, right <laughs> totally um and especially how different everybody's process can be too i mm-hmm. think um you can i mean i've learned a lot just for myself of like oh mm-hmm. i'd never thought to do a thing this way that's really good yeah yeah there's all this um, kind of weird questions that come up that way now that i've started doing it like my friend john lingan wrote this credence clear auto revivo bio and he, he talked to all the, everybody but fogarty who there was enough stuff out there about but he talked to all the other band members but he didn't include a single direct quote from anybody so that was like one of my oh. first questions to him. How did you come across this decision? And his whole idea was, I, I didn't want it to be this thing about a bunch of old guys looking back on their time. I wanted it to feel like in the present moment. So I just interviewed them to get yeah. information about what was happening, but I didn't want it to be like this retrospective book, which is really interesting decision. So stuff like that always comes up and I find fascinating. See, you know? uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I love that kind of stuff. Well, yeah. I hope people check that out too. Thanks. Um, but why we, we're here, for, we're here to talk about songs. So... Mm-hmm. Cool. Let's, I, I suppose we should talk about some songs. I'm a big fan and of songs. Good. That's, yeah. It would, it would be it would be weird if you were like, no, I don't really care for music. Let's. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> uh, if if you told me that out of like anybody, I'd be like, wow. Okay. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, no. I just I, someone held me hostage and said you have to write about it. But I, don't, I don't like listening. Yeah. To it. Right. Yeah, I've been doing it for a long time because you've been writing. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. um with that though what is the first song that you remember uh yeah that's a that was a i was racking my brain on that one i I think it had to be the theme from sesame street that's i think that's the first real because my first memories of sort of recognizing music as music as something that people make rather than just something that was coming in my ears and i didn't know what it was is is all the stuff on sesame street um 
and I probably yeah I think it had to be the the theme song which is which is great I still love it and then all the amazing yes. musical appearances they used to have on that show which again I didn't really quite understand what was going on like right. <laughs> I mean there's that clip of Stevie Wonder doing superstition on, yep. on on YouTube that's like I think I saw that when it happened but man I had no ability to comprehend how insane that that was happening I know how amazing it was, I was yeah <laughs> I was thinking about that when when I saw this and was got, kind of going back because. I Sesame Street's a very early memory of mine too, and mm-hmm. I, and and I don't like have specific memories of those mm-hmm. music guests or performances. But then I want I always wonder. I'm like, did that subconsciously <laughs> yeah. impact me? Like uh-huh. leave a mark? <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure it must have. Yeah, I'm sure it did with me too. I mean, I feel like I, I can't really trace it logically, but I'm sure once I started getting into music that having seen the stuff that happened on Sesame street definitely formed some of the way I approached, you know, listened to it and heard it and understood what it was. Yeah. It's, uh, it's amazing <laughs> yeah. what they, I mean, yeah, God, just, yeah, I, I never want to be to those like, Oh, the good old days people. Cause I don't believe in any of that, but <laughs> right. that there's some things that existed like as, when I was a kid and mm-hmm. cause I'm guessing we're around the same age and mm-hmm. that my, like my daughter has a very different experience. And I think about that all the right. time. Yeah, um, my my kids do too. We're totally, yeah. And it's something crazy about like music that you heard first. Some of the first music you heard when you were a kid, the way it kind of it rang something in your brain that always like if I hear that theme now, it's still right. I can still have some kid memories just from hearing it. Which yep. it doesn't necessarily happen with like pictures. Sometimes maybe or reading about things, but music it just like rings a bell like crazy. You know? Yeah, yeah. That was as soon as I as soon as I. Like I put this on. I was listening to it the other day. I, mm-hmm. It just took me. I, it was just immediately transportive to this, uh-huh. like, yeah. and not to a specific thing, but to this very just general kind of feeling. It was right. It was kind of nice. So. Yeah, totally. Um, do you do you think of yourself as a crier? <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't really. I mean, yeah, not not really. I mean, I here and there, but it, it doesn't seem to happen with me that often. <laughs> what, what what is a song that does make you cry? Yeah, that's an interesting one. You know, I don't really I, when when I thought about that, I haven't really remembered crying to music a ton. I get maybe a little dewy or teary kind of. Sure. Um, but I, I just it did kind of remind me of uh, in the process of doing this article I was doing about that Bill Callahan Bonnie Prince Billy collaboration. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. they and and they do a version of the Wild Kindness, the Silver Juice song with Cassie yep. Berman singing on it and stuff. And uh, when I first heard that, I was like, this is awesome. It's really cool. I didn't necessarily have an emotional reaction right away, but then when I talked to them about it and the process of of deciding to do that song and having Cassie on it, it did give me a little, you know, I got a little misty over yeah. that. You know, <laughs> because that song's amazing. Berman's amazing. Everybody involved in it's amazing. And uh, they had David Pajo do a guitar solo there where Malcolmus had done the guitar solo before. And it's completely right. different, but it's also completely Pajo. And his whole story, I mean, sometimes I get a little weepy just thinking about him because mm-hmm. all the things he's gone through and I feel like he's not nearly appreciated enough for the music he's made. And so that the, yeah. kind of the swirl of all, all the history there, I, I could say that's one that sort of makes me cry. <laughs> yeah, no, that's I. That's a great pick. I love I, when I, when that came out, I... Like I knew the Silver Juice song, but mm-hmm. I so like I love I love Berman, I love Callahan, mm-hmm. but Oldham was like I always and I always associate those three like as this yeah sort of totally together for uh-huh. obvious reasons. But uh-huh. Oldham was the one I I still remember. I bought I think it was the second Palace record. I, there was a record store down in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. I was maybe sixteen or something. I knew nothing about it. 
I just mm-hmm. thought I was like, oh, palace, that's interesting. Yeah. And then I remember You Will Miss Me When I Burn. I was like, that is a cool song title. I don't know what this is. I'm gonna buy it. <laughs> and awesome. I've been kind of like just I've been in love with Will Oldham ever since. And yeah. so like I love when stuff like this happens where mm-hmm. these kind of forces combine and it's and yeah, it feels there like because there is like a sadness to it, and it also feels like this beautiful sort of celebration of, totally of, of him and mm-hmm. um and who better to do it than right. like those two guys in cassie totally. <laughs> yeah absolutely you know the three the at least oldham claimed that before berman passed away the three of them were talking about touring together which, uh, <laughs> which would have yeah. been so insane I, I almost can't believe that it ever could have happened but it would have been amazing if it had wow <laughs> yeah. yeah that's awesome yeah. no i yeah. yeah i i i love it and the video is so much fun i love the video yeah yeah, I mean, in a weird way, that video makes me feel more more emotional than if they had done it like really seriously. Like the the, yeah. hu- the humor of it matches kind of Berman's humor, and and it's still very mm-hmm. very much a tribute to him too. And yeah, it's it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, kind of maybe conversely, um, mm-hmm. what is a song that always puts you in a better mood? Always put me in a better mood. Um. Yeah. God, there's so many like that, but uh, <clears throat> um. Uh, a while a little after sort of everybody was talking about him i started getting into sill i think it's sill johnson right Sil, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um and uh you know uh rob hatch miller had made that movie about him and numero had made the box and all that stuff and i just sort of it was in the mm-hmm. consciousness but i hadn't really gotten into him and, and maybe a few years later i got the box and and that singles collection and stuff and old to soul man I mean oh. pretty much all of his singles pretty much make me feel better but that one always just like the the kind of crazy energy of it and yeah you know i mean it just it just moves so fast and so much happening on it and he's so he's so in control of all of it and it's just like it makes you makes me just sort of feel like good about not only life but like the music can do (laughs) what he was able to do with it is like you know amazing yeah god that song yeah his the guitar playing on it just Mm -hmm. it's in constant mode it's so Mm -hmm. like you said it's like it feels almost chaotic but it's totally yeah. in control because it's so quick yeah. and um and i really love the horns on it too and how they're mm-hmm. kind of like buried in there and then they, yeah. it, but every once in a while kind of rise up and right. it's just like triumphant almost anthemic kind right. of thing and they're like perfectly um, precise and sharp even like every, when everything else yep. is kind of chaotic around them and stuff it's right awesome, you know yeah and it, yeah. i'm I don't, I'm not like a, I, I don't, I'm not a big dancer or anything, but this uh-huh. song always makes me want to just get up and move too. Cause yeah. It's oh, just totally. that, that yeah. groove is so good. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Syl Johnson's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, with stuff like that. I'm almost, I think it's a little ridiculous cause I'm not an expert in either of them, but I'm almost willing to say he kind of, he was able to almost outdo James Brown sometimes. Which is a little yeah. bit. Most people will probably laugh at me saying that, but like a song like this, I feel like is so filled up with stuff more so than any of my favorite James Brown songs, which I love a ton of his stuff too. So it's not a competition, obviously. Right. But but like it's just right. sort of amazing to even think that he could be in that category. Yeah, you know, you know, yeah, so. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, that's a great pick. It's funny too. Like whenever I'm doing, I've been doing these episodes, and I get people's lists, and mm-hmm. you know they're. I, my brain starts turning like, I wonder what this is for. I bet this, maybe this is for, and I'm usually wrong 95% of the time. Um, but this is like one of those songs. It's like, you could pick this for like three or four different things. It totally <laughs> right. makes totally. sense to me. <laughs> totally. Um, which, totally. which speaking of uh-huh. this, uh, another category I think it could fit for is mm-hmm. what is objectively. And we all know how mm-hmm. I'm, I think, you know, you can be objective about this question. <laughs> <Right>. um, <laughs> what is objectively 
the best song of all time, Mark. You know, Masters. the funny thing is that that was the easiest one for me to answer. It's Velvet Underground, What Goes On. That's the best song of all uh, time. Well, there There's you the, go. Yeah, I mean, I've known that. The, it's one of the few things I've known since I was a teenager. That's the best song of all time. I mean, it's the best band of all time. It's, uh, you know, it's the, the kind of the culmination of the, you listen to the first couple records and you hear all the things they can do. And then this third record that's all quiet and soft and weird. And that's a surprise too. But like the second song, it's like, okay, this is like, everything they can do and and a, and a pop song too but also a jam and it's like and the lyrics are perfect and it's just i mean it to me it's sort of the er rock and roll song like you, you could pretty mm. much any any other rock and roll song you could listen to you could say ha, could be based on this song <laughs> even yeah. if the people hadn't heard it before you know so so i mean i obviously oh, objective is a little ridiculous but this is i, right, I just I, I, <laughs> but if i had to go to any fight with a with one song I would be very confident taking this, <laughs> this song with me. So. That, that makes that makes a lot of sense. I was yeah, I, it's funny. I I was kind of a late bloomer in getting into Velvet Underground. Um, mm-hmm. I you know I back when I, we were growing up and you didn't have streaming or YouTube, you couldn't mm-hmm. just hear anything at any time. Right. Uh, you, ha- you had to be real choosy. Yeah, <laughs> what totally. you bought. Uh-huh. And when I first got in buying records, I was I was obsessed with like K Records and Kill Rock Stars and mm-hmm. like all of that stuff, and that's where I spent my money. And then finally, like, got a little older, got a job. Sorry, I think it was in my late teens, early twenties, and heard the Velvet Underground for mm-hmm. like really heard them for the first time. Uh-huh. It was just it was revelatory of like, yeah. oh, okay, like <laughs> right. all of this stuff that I love, uh-huh. you can hear traces of that, yeah. and yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean they they uh it's they're it's kind of my my definitely most formative thing is coming up, which is so cliche and classic, but I'm I'm totally into it. You know, it's like because in the yeah. 80, in the eighties there was like this reissue program of the f- first three records plus that uh, VU record, which was like had Foggy Notion and I can't stand it all the kind of things that never made it onto an album. Uh-huh. And it in my town the only way to find out about music was 7-Eleven would get Rolling Stone that was <laughs> so I bought the oh, Rolling Stone man. that week and they had a lead review of all these four reissues and for the first time ever like I'd bought records before but never you know save up just for one record or whatever I said to my dad yeah. dad I like this I think I'm gonna like all these is there any way I can go get them all like a pre-birthday present and he said sure so I had to drive to the town that had a record store which is like about, about a half hour 45 minutes away and they had them oh, all man. I bought them all I brought them all home and then yeah, and they, they they lived up to expectations, but they also didn't sound anything like I expected. And yeah, yeah I think that fun. was one of the things that really <laughs> when I really first started. I think when I heard the Velvet Underground, is I thought it would sound in a totally different. But like you said, it yeah. sounded different, but it also made sense. Yeah, and, yeah. Like for Sunday morning um, to be the first song you hear from them, it's like this is the Velvet Underground, <laughs> right? But then, you know, <laughs> but then later it makes so, so much sense after you've heard a bunch of other stuff. You know, so. But anyway, yeah, it's still yeah. what oh. goes on is the best song. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I can't argue with that. Um, <laughs> cool. Well, kind of on a on a different tangent here. Um, what's the song that you used to love, but now you kind of find it a bit cringeworthy? Uh, yeah, that's an interesting one. I, I that one took me a little while to think about. Um, it's funny. I picked something that's sort of probably the worst possible timing to be talking about this because everybody's talking about how much they love it. But it's <laughs> replace <laughs> replacements, waitress in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, I, I, thought, I thought that was funny what, yeah like all of a sudden yesterday i saw it's like oh there's a yeah. discourse around <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 so this tim remaster or re-edit or whatever they did to it is out now which i haven't heard yet and um yeah 
and I'm sure it's good. I mean, it's I have this weird relationship with them where like I loved them in college, and mm-hmm. I loved them a little bit after that. Although when Don't Tell a Soul came out, I, I thought it was pretty disappointing, and I saw them play after that, and they weren't very good. And over the years, I've just kind of had sort of one of the few bands that just hasn't held up for me. I just I for me they yeah. they feel kind of like. Uh, a, a semi-interesting bar band kind of band and i mean yeah. I, clearly like some writers have written some great stuff about them so clearly there's something happening with their lyrics you know i'm not going to say that objectively they're bad they just don't click for me anymore and and this sure this is one that i remember because you know thinking at the time it was so clever and funny t- calling a steward as a waitress in the sky and you know and and i read elizabeth nelton has a book article about them in the new yorker this week that's, that even mm-hmm. says he was writing this from the perspective of a of of a jerk who his sister who was a stewardess had met on a plane and had treating him like that. So, you know, I understand, but still, it's like I don't know. I get I I get a little bit conflicted about these kind of songs that take on a character where they don't tell you what the character is because yeah, it's very easy to listen to a song and be like, ah ha ha, he's making fun of a stewardess. That's so right, you know, or, you know, or a flight attendant. Sorry, I should call it. and uh, yeah. <laughs> you know. But, uh, and so I, I find it very easy that someone who is a jerk could think this is all a song is awesome. <laughs> you know, right, so. well, I, I hadn't, re- I hadn't, I haven't seen that New Yorker article. And when mm-hmm. I, I, I remember this song, hadn't probably thought about it in mm-hmm. a decade or more mm-hmm. and was listening to it the other day. And I kind of had that reaction. I was like, Oh, mm-hmm. is he like, yeah. yeah, you don't, it's like, I don't, I, I didn't realize like, Oh, okay. This is from the perspective of, I mean, you right. can kind of think that, but like you said, right. it's not right you don't know that <laughs> yeah yeah and i mean i think they're, the replacements were smart guys i i wouldn't just assume that they were they think it's great to be a jerk to some right. but but at the same time you know <laughs> it's like you can these songs these kind of songs often can kind of have it both ways you can be like you mm-hmm. know they can they can if somebody really likes it for for the irony perspective of it they can say oh yeah that's because it was from the perspective of it but they could also happily have fans who just think it's awesome to make fun of women working on planes right so, and, right you know um <laughs> But anyway, I mean, I, I'd be willing to give them the benefit of the doubt most of the time, but I just, this is one of those kind of sure. songs where I do remember loving it. And now that I listen to it, it doesn't do much for me at all. And that, that's true with a lot of their catalog, weirdly. I don't, I don't know exactly what happened with them and me. I just, I, I guess I just, they don't musically, they're not super innovative and the whole kind of we're drunk band kind of, th- I don't know. It just doesn't work for me anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. No, I mean, that makes sense. It's, it's funny too. And I never, and this is a, a, a me problem, but I never, mm-hmm. now I, like the, the, I listened to this the other day and a couple mm-hmm. times and that, but now I just keep having spirit in the sky stuck in my head. <laughs> right. And like, I had never made that sort of super obvious connection <laughs> yeah. between these two songs. But yeah. anyway, yeah. Yeah. Um, which <laughs> that's a me problem. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I think I think that's partially intentional there too. I, I imagine yeah, it was, right. you know, which I mean, I would hope. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but anyway, I'm not here to bash your replacements. Just personally, sure. I just, I just have, found, have found I found them to have dropped for me, and this is a kind of a, a exemplar song of one of the songs that I used to love, and I I'd be fine not hearing it again now. <laughs> right, I hear so. you. Um, well, kind of maybe maybe that's. Uh, it's not the opposite of that, but like a 45 degree angle. What's yeah. a song that most people like hate or don't like and whoever those people are, you know, mm-hmm. you can make your own context. Right. Um, but, but you love it, mm-hmm. but you love it. <laughs> yeah. That was, a, that, I, I had trouble coming up with one for this because except for sort of the most dumb pop songs, which sort of every, you know, I, I tend to like, 
I don't have a whole lot of contradictory, you know, ones on on that level. Sure. But so I picked a kind of a weird one, the Pizza Underground, <laughs> a, song, <laughs> a song called Cheese Days. <laughs> so I don't yeah. know if you remember the Pizza Underground. If people don't, it's it's Macaulay Culkin, a bunch of his friends doing Velvet Underground songs with pizza lyrics instead of the original yeah. lyrics. And, and uh, I forgot all about it. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I think it's hilarious. I think that I think the lyrics are really clever in a kind of a goofy way. The way they, they and this one is like the Nico song these days turned into cheese days. It's like I don't yes. do I don't do too much toppings cheese days. Or, <laughs> um, and I, I I don't know. I just I find that kind of goofy stuff funny. And every time I've ever posted about hey the Pizza Underground, you can get it on Bandcamp or whatever. Every one of my friends is like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Why would you even? <laughs> <laughs> which weirdly makes me like it even more because i'm sure that's what they wanted people to think that um, this is yeah. the stupidest you know i mean it, clearly they don't think this is some kind of smart thing that they're doing you know so right <laughs> yeah i think that's a great answer i think i remember when i first heard it i thought it was yeah i thought it was hilarious too and uh -huh. it's it, it's so it's such a level of absurdity that yeah for me it's like i have to appreciate it yeah and, <laughs> and, and i mean it's velvet underground song so it's like you yeah. know i mean so the songs are they're good and yeah. the, you know even and yeah, yeah and they're know. doing them I, in a way that sounds sounds like they like them they're not trying to it, i don't think it's right. like they're trying to make fun of the band or something i think they really right. like it i just think that they decided it's but it's also kind of a funny commentary on how many people have covered the velvet underground and and, and how many people have sort of worshipped them and stuff and it's like we're going to do it too but in this just ridiculous <laughs> yeah. you know and and i yeah. looked i looked yesterday when, when i was coming up with this list and then th th their stuff is still up on Bandcamp for name your price so if anybody's interested oh man go get it for go free for it yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i was i was watching it on um the, like the whole thing the demo or whatever's on youtube you know uh -huh. of course, i mean everything's on youtube and that's right right and it, right. it, it, it really was great and at the beginning of the video i don't know if they i'm assuming they didn't actually i'm not assuming they didn't post it but it's <laughs> the beginning of it is the clip from home alone you know of, <laughs> Right. Um, of Macaulay getting the cheese pizza just for myself. <laughs> That's awesome. Perfect. Oh man, that would be amazing if they had done that themselves. That'd be cool. I know. I hope they did, but it, like I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if you did. Yeah. Oh no, it wouldn't surprise me either. <laughs> um, well, com all right. Completely changing speeds here. Which, okay. if, if your if your answer was was cheese days for this next question that would have been unbelievable <laughs> but um <laughs> what what's the what is the most romantic song yeah that's an interesting one too um it's funny i've never had a, a super like relationship to music in, in in terms of romantic like i've never like been one of these people that wants to play a song for a girl or play a song that's mm -hmm. like our song or that kind of, and i don't have anything wrong with that i've just never been so when I think of romantic songs, I, I don't know. I don't. I sort of don't know how to define that. But I, I figured Patty Waters' "Black Is the Color of My True Love's Hair." I mean, oh, there's no wow. way that the, her singing isn't romantic, <laughs> even God, as yeah. even as crazy as it gets. I think the crazier it gets, the more romantic it is. It's just it's such a siren that she she is. Yeah. So, so I, I mean, I think well, I think there's a lot of romance happening in that song, even though that's not necessarily what people would think of first when they hear it. But. Oh, that's I love that thing. Yeah, no, that <laughs> God it's yeah it's like she's channeling some yeah. something else uh -huh. and uh, the I, thinking of is like yeah channeling this mm -hmm. overwhelming love or something yeah. and it coming out oh yeah. man it's yeah. god it's so, it's so yeah. what a song and the fact that she was only 19 oh yeah 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 it's one of those legendary things that really holds up like i heard a lot about it before yes. i ever was able to find an ES, the esp version of it and like 
okay, this is even more insane <laughs> than I <laughs> expected. And then this was from like Byron Coley calling it the greatest thing ever or whatever. It's, it was even better than I thought. You know? Yeah. I, it, <laughs> nothing could have prepared me for when, like hearing it for the first time. And, mm-hmm. um, and I, and I think even I had heard like traditional versions of this song. Right. And then to hear this, it was like, mm-hmm. whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, so I, I don't know exactly how to sort of explain the, how it would, technically romantic but there is just something you know the listening experience can be a romantic thing when you listen to this piece for sure oh yeah no i think that that makes perfect sense um (laughs) (laughs) well uh what what's a song that changed your perspective on an artist Mm -hmm. whether good or bad yeah (laughs) yeah there's so many good examples of how that could work but i i kind of my most my somewhat recent memory of something is you know the 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 guys das das racist you know mm-hmm. um so they rainbow in the dark is a song that changed my perspective on them so they came out with pizza hut combination pizza hut and taco bell which i liked mm-hmm. but everybody was i was writing a lot for pitchfork at the time that that came out and everybody was going crazy on the pitchfork staff over this and i'm like this mm. is funny it's cool but it's like it's very very one note yeah I'm like this, this sounds like a novelty song which i think they meant it to but it just it did it didn't occur to me that this is a band that would have a whole lot of other interesting stuff. But then mm-hmm. I I grabbed the mixtape that that one was on and like and I hadn't really I'd kind of fallen out of listening to a lot of hip hop and rap sort of in the two thousands and stuff. I, and nothing against what was happening. I just got too involved in experimental music and stuff. I just didn't have sure. time for everything, yep. you know. But this I I figured because everybody I knew was talking about it, this might be worth listening to. And then. Rainbow in the Dark, I think, is like the second song on that mixtape, and it's just got so much mm-hmm. going on lyrically. They're just so such mm-hmm. incredibly clever lyricists. And then the rest of the mixtape is just insanely good. And it's all so much more complex than that than the Pizza Hut thing, although I yeah. love the fact that they got known for the least complex thing they did because sure. it, it does give you a sense <laughs> of who they are and everything. <laughs> but they, I mean, I was just sort of blown away by how much more there was to that group. It, than that. Yeah, I had yeah. kind of a similar experience because I thought the the... the the pizza hut that was the first thing i heard too so i just mm-hmm. thought it was this joke thing and i was like whatever mm-hmm. you know it's yeah. fine and then mm-hmm. but then when i i think it was this or something else from the mixtape and mm-hmm. realized like they're really good at like they walk the line between where they're funny but mm-hmm. really clever and just really good oh totally and yeah. it's it's a really hard that's like a really hard thing to get it definitely <laughs> to, is to yeah. find that balance yeah and they also often sound like they're they're somewhat extemporaneous which i'm sure they're not i'm sure they wrote their lyrics but their, their style is so good at being it's feels stream of consciousness in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and that and so then when they do a clever you know rhyme or turn a phrase or whatever you're like wow <laughs> right <laughs> where did that come from you know so pretty amazing yeah and yeah. they're and they're like the production and stuff like the yeah. the music part of it's really good too oh so, totally I mean, it's just all really well done yeah yeah it's one of the big um, bummers for me that they weren't able to stay together much longer although you know they might have sort of burn bright and and yeah and who knows where they would have gone from those first couple mixtapes but those are all they're all amazing they're really incredible yeah no, that's, that's a, yeah it's a great answer um <laughs> cool. well what speaking of great lyrics mm-hmm. what are your what are your favorite lyrics whether like either an entire song or just a single line mm-hmm yeah i mean <clears throat> the single line that always comes up for me whenever i think of it that kind of really pushes the right button for me is uh so it's uh, you know an uh agitated the electric eel song um mm. right at the end 
so he's just been talking about how I'm so agitated. I can't get, I can't get unagitated basically the whole way. And then at the end he goes, and sometimes I think I'd be better off dead. Just like my cousin, Fred, which is, <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact that he's introducing a character. We haven't heard anything about at the very end of the song. <laughs> no idea why his cousin Fred is dead. Did he kill himself? Right. Did he just, did he, oh, yeah. you know, did it, was it an accident? He wants to die an accident, you know, and. Yeah. <laughs> and I love how it also cuts the, because saying I'd, I'd be better off dead actually is a logical conclusion to how kind of pent up he is through the song. But it undercut, right. but it's not like, if, if you ended the song say, I wish I was dead, you'd be like, ooh, that's kind of a. Uh, but just yeah, like my cousin, yeah. But just like my cousin Fred is like, it sounds like a cartoon almost at the end there. Right. You know? And yeah, that's just like the perfect like you, combination to me. It yeah. is. It's like you do this like whiplash in the space mm -hmm. of a few seconds of like, mm -hmm. ooh, like, oh, wait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it also gets a feeling of almost like he just wrote that line at the end. He's like, he's coming up to the end. He's like, what? What can I say? Uh, right. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I could just I... put my cousin Fred in the end of the song, maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, so I mean, and I promised him I'd work him into this record. I gotta do... <laughs> right. And the song well, kind of drops it. off right after he says it too. It just goes to right. a couple drum beats, and it's like, it, yeah, the drama of it is kind of great. It's almost like, okay, that's all he has to say. We're just stopping. I, you know. Yeah, and I yeah. It's, and whenever I think about it, when I hear it, it's like I sit there. Kind of, you feel like you're, I'm just kind of looking around, like, wait. <laughs> right. Hold on. What, what just happened? What are we right. doing? Right. Um, yeah. yeah, shouldn't the, shouldn't the, there be some more about Fred before the song is over? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like no, we're never going to talk about Fred again, Fred, because he's dead. Exactly. I mean, that's Fred all you need to know about him. <laughs> that's all you need to know about Fred. Oh, that's perfect. Oh. Awesome. Um, well, moving on to a completely different category here. Okay. What's a cover song that is better than the original? <laughs> Well, I decided to go curveball on this one because I, I, I mean, I love a lot of like all the Sun City Girls covers are often better than, oh, yeah, you know, just as good. And like the Feelies do great covers and Luna. And I, I have so many bands I like who do really good covers, but I just decided to go with something that people might not know as well as the culture side, that Bruce <laughs> song where they yeah. just, where they just take, uh, dancing in the dark and just scream over top of it, <laughs> making fun of Bruce Springsteen through the whole thing, which has a double, double thing for me because I just love the idea that they put this out this way. It's just basically completely the Bruce Springsteen song with people yelling and, and some noise right. over it but then also i'm not a big bruce springsteen fan so it's double doubly pleasurable for me because sure. i don't mind hearing people make fun of him so, so. Yeah. <laughs> i've never i i'd actually never heard this and i was uh -huh. it just made me laugh i, I i'm a big bruce springsteen fan but i still uh -huh. think it's hilarious yeah. and it reminded me do you remember it was gosh it must have been late 2000s early 2010s there was this tape that I don't even know who it was, but it was just called Soloing Over Alanis Morissette. I do remember that. I never heard it, but I remember <laughs> hearing about it. Yeah. And it was like literally somebody just doing guitar solos over the <laughs> yeah. like jagged little pill. Uh -huh. <laughs> it was, was it rem this reminded me of that. And I was like, yeah. oh, I wish I had it. I don't, I don't, I don't know that I still have a copy of that. It probably hasn't survived the mini moves or it's in a box somewhere that I'll never find. But <laughs> right, um, right. there's something very, I find very appealing to taking these these really big culturally significant uh -huh. not culturally significant but like you know what i mean uh -huh. these big things and just basically taking the piss out of them yeah, as one yeah i mean this one is like literally spray, spray painting graffiti on top of the yes. Springsteen record essentially yeah, yeah. <laughs> which i love how it's sort of blunt that way and it's also it's sort of audacious but also dumb in a smart way it's just like it's so it's so right. blunt it's not trying to be a subtle parody it's just screaming at bruce springsteen basically throughout his song yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> if you like yeah. this one, they do a version of We Are the World like this too. That's pretty amazing. Oh, I'm gonna have to look that up. That sounds <laughs> yeah. wonderful. Yeah, what a what a good for them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't I know nothing about them either or anything. Yeah. So there, yeah. there's some, there's some pretty cool Bandcamp stuff over there. They have some good records, but I think their best stuff is the stuff that they do. That, and they've done this many times for, for multiple songs, and I think it's always great. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna have to do some do some digging. Yeah. Um, well, what this is on a completely different tangent. What's the mm-hmm. sexiest song? Yeah, that's an interesting one too. I, I had trouble kind of coming up with one there because I, I don't. It's funny. I, that question made me wonder. Did I ever have I ever really thought of songs as sexy per se? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but there is this beat happening song, "Redhead Walking," that I've always found really mm-hmm. kind of sexy and sultry and kind of. I mean, Calvin's got a sexy voice, first of all. So that right, and I and I feel like it's extra in this song yeah, too. Like it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's that. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. Just the way he's describing this woman and the way he's kind of intimidated mm-hmm. by her and amazed by her and stuff is it, that's there's a lot of sexiness there and the and the beat and the way that they they kind of strum out the song. I mean, uh, it's got sort of I don't know. It feels almost like catwalky, like <laughs> the way oh, the, the, yeah, way the yeah. shuffle of it, you know. And and uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's it's just always it's been one of my favorite songs of theirs for a long time and one I don't think people think of as much when they think of best beat happening songs. Um, yeah, you know, so and it just are you yeah, are you a big beat happening fan? Oh, absolutely, yeah, definitely. I, lo- I love yeah. them from the from the start pretty much, and yeah, they and I love really formative for me. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because when I first heard them, a friend of mine who was really into kind of twee and kind of mm-hmm. you know that kind of indie pop, which I was, I was sort of more of a noise rock guy about about that time, Amphetamine, Reptile, mm-hmm. and Touch and Go and stuff. And she liked him, and I'm like, okay, so this is going to be another kind of Sarah Records, which I love all that stuff now, but at the time I wasn't so sure. interested in. Sure. But then I heard Calvin's voice. I'm like, okay, this is something really different. And then some of their songs almost sounded like like the Cramps or something, like the, some of these mm-hmm. kind of beats. And yeah, I just they were, they were very surprising to me once I actually heard them. Yeah, I you know as, fun, as much as I think they were pretty formative for me because mm-hmm. when I was in the whole K Records thing, I think like when I was getting, I actually heard the Halo Benders before I heard Beat Happening because I oh, think. Nice that i think god don't make no junk had just come out oh, yeah. and i was like oh this is the new thing and i think i actually heard that before i ever heard built to spill too which is kind mm-hmm. of funny um <laughs> and yeah calvin's voice was just yeah. immediately just kind of whoa yeah. and yeah. then went back through their whole catalog and mm-hmm. um i yeah i love all that stuff yeah, and, yeah like i feel like the tone of his voice on this song just feels mm-hmm. even more like resonant and just yeah. oh yeah. it's yeah. It adds to that sex scene. I'm yeah. with you. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, I mean, if you go back and look at some of their old concerts on YouTube and stuff, his performance style too is just sort of like he stares right at people and he's very, you know, it's, it's got this whole kind of sexual confrontational kind of thing and not mm-hmm. in a, not in a violent way, but just sort of like he's very, very attractive guy. That way. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever see the episode of Cops that they were on? No, I you know I I've seen clips from it. Yeah, I forgot. I yeah. totally forgot about that. That's funny. Getting pulled over in the tour van, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. That is, that is so wild that that happened. I know. I yeah. I it was like an urban legend for the longest. I don't think I saw it until late, like once YouTube uh-huh. existed, and right because um, yeah, you, that was one of the things you heard about. And, oh my god, they were in cops. How, how would you ever see that? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Aired once. It's never going to be on again, probably. Yeah. Right. That's crazy. <laughs> oh that's man. Nice. Well, all right. We're we're coming down the home stretch here. Cool. Got the two the two the two big ones left. Okay. We might Great. say. 
Um, so what is the song that means the most to you? And it's not necessarily because of the song itself, but it, you associate it with something, mm-hmm. a certain experience or someone or right. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, this is cool to think about because it maybe kind of made me think my relationship to music is very sort of, uh, I don't know if it's hermetic or self-reflect, like music to me is about music. And so mm-hmm. most of my formative experiences with music and biggest are not associated with other things like, you know, making a big move or doing something specific in my life that was a big turn. Usually it's just about, it opens me up to more music. And that's usually mm-hmm. kind of the things I associate with a lot of things. And so in the post kind of during college and post-college, I finally, someone, a friend of mine was a big free jazz guy and I knew almost nothing about jazz. Mm-hmm. I had Coltrane records, but that was it. And he sort of started showing me all these different kind of avant-garde things. And that, that Eric Dolphy out to lunch album, uh, Gazzaloni, the song is in particular, oh my just God. sort of like cracked my mind open in terms of like yeah. what, I, what jazz could be. And I, I, the weird thing is I don't think any other jazz I've ever heard sounds like that record. No, but it, it just, and, and that's why it was so kind of important to me. I'm like, wow, this, this can be almost anything. Like this is like the weirdest sounding thing. And yeah. You know, and so it means a lot to me just in terms of I don't think I would have gone as far down the road with jazz with, if I hadn't encountered this song and this album. It's just, it, it kind of made me like, okay, I'm going to want, want to find out everything I can about Dolphy, about the people who played with him, about all the, and mm-hmm. the, you know, as, as jazz works, especially in the 60s and 70s, once you decide I'm going to be interested oh, in everybody associated with everybody, it's just like, there's, I mean, there's, you could yep. li- live a hundred years and not hear everything you want to hear, so. Uh, so, yeah, the so amount of credit card open. debt I ran up in my early <laughs> like twenties, going yeah. to Barnes and Noble and Borders, uh-huh. just buying Blue Note CDs, basically. Yep. yep. Um, uh-huh. It was like, oh, who's this guy? Hank Mobley. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna go. Oh, geez, there's ten albums here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. look at all these. Huh. It's <clears throat> yeah, yeah. You wonder this, how these uh, guys all did it. I mean, they were playing on everybody, each other's records all the time. They must have just been in the studio, twenty four seven. It seems like you know. Right, well, you know, and it's funny. I, so, uh, one of the early episodes, not out yet, but it'll be out by the time this comes out. I did mm-hmm. with Eric Mingus, oh, and nice. he was talking about how, talking about his dad, and talking about how mm-hmm. you know, like the jazz guys got one day in the studio. You know, like Led Zeppelin right. got months. Right. But right. He's like, my dad was on the same label, and he got he was lucky he got two days. Right. And so right. yeah, I imagine like with like back in that time, these guys mm-hmm. were just you'd be in the studio for two weeks and it's like well there's like 15 records <laughs> right <laughs> yeah i mean they were working uh, musicians which is really kind of a cool thing about that whole generation yeah. is like this was their job this is what they did day to day and yet they were so willing to push the boundaries like they oh, they man. probably could i mean every one of these guys could have just been session guy the rest of his life and made a good living but you know that right. that, that they weren't gonna settle for that and it's it's kind of such a sort of awesome example of what you can yeah. do with music you know this yeah but yeah yeah this album and this track i i mm-hmm. think it, like you mentioned the people who play on it i mean it's like yeah dolphy is amazing but mm-hmm. i think this is i i, I think about bobby hutcherson a lot oh, yeah. i think this is mm-hmm. this song is a big reason mm-hmm. that i got really interested in him just because yeah there's a way like there's everything in this song it's going 100 miles an hour mm-hmm. except for what until he gets to like his part he's just doing mm-hmm. this really minimalist yeah th- but it just there's mm-hmm. something really enticing about it it yeah and um oh God. yeah and him him alone i could just cite as someone who broke my brain open too because i never yeah. there's no way i would have ever thought that vibes could be yeah. 
this interesting sounding and this weird sounding and this out there kind of it just it doesn't seem like a, a, an instrument you could do that much with in these contexts and not only does he do a lot with it he does sort of the most interesting stuff with it a lot of right. time the records he's on yeah yeah and and i was also thinking about so like the last few years i've been having this sort of i kind of really fallen in love with the flute as an instrument and oh yeah yeah listening to and but this is probably like legitimately one of the greatest flute performances. oh yeah <laughs> absolutely like, unreal <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah but, I, I i you know I, I wonder what his he still seems to have a decent impact on the world of jazz, but he's one of those guys oh, that I, man. that I do worry sometimes. I hope, I hope reissues just keep coming out, even if they're the same thing over and over, because people need to always be right. discovering him. I mean, yeah. you know, Col- Coltrane's got such a bigger reputation, deservedly so he did so much, many more records, but I mean, there's nothing like Dolphin. Yeah. There's no really nothing. And, like uh, yeah. And you know, <laughs> you try not to think about it. It's like, you think about what, what oh, would he have done? You yeah. know, I mean, yeah. I, you think, I think about, um, and again, I talked about this in the Eric Mingus episode. We talked about mm-hmm. Miles and how mm-hmm. late Miles is so weird. And like, I mean, mm-hmm. some of it, even people haven't caught up to yet. Yeah, oh, yeah, totally. It's like, what would Dolphy, you know, I mean, uh, mm-hmm. you, yeah. you can't go down that road because you'll just get yeah. depressed. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's he's like, one, he's definitely one of a kind and just seemed like such a cool dude, too. Yeah. Yeah, and I love when I love when you hear something comes out at like a reissue or some you know some mm-hmm. lost performance that they found a recording of, and he shows mm-hmm. up on there. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've heard. It was a couple of years ago. This Mingus at Bremen, nineteen sixty four and nineteen seventy five came out. Oh yeah, that's so album, good. Or, yeah. And yeah, that sixty four <laughs> session that Dolphy's yeah. on. Oh, jeez, yeah. <laughs> it's really unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Okay. Well, <laughs> speaking of unbelievable, and. I think I've narrowed it down based on things. So what is what is your favorite song? Well, I, you know that's a that's always a tough one. I, I could I could answer that different every day, but I think sure. you know um, beyond the Velvet Underground, my next favorite band is probably Sonic Youth in terms yeah. of what they meant to me growing up and and getting into them and and subsequently been lucky enough to talk to them here and there and meet them somewhat in different capacities. I had a book that came out at the exact same time. Thurston had a book came out on the same subject. <laughs> so I've oh, this. Nice. <laughs> So your rivals. No. Yeah, exactly. And of course, he's got a book coming out in October, just like I do, which is just oh. too, too perfect. I've written two books and both times he's got a book coming out right at the same time. But this one is not oh, at all man. what I, his has got a memoir that's really great. It's really worth checking out. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, it's Sonic Youth Catholic Block, which even with Sonic Youth, I don't know if I could narrow down. Like I was thinking Expressway to Your Skull. I was thinking Tom Violence. I was, you know, but, but Evil and Sister are really the the pinnacle for me of them in terms of my mm-hmm. relationship with them and Catholic Bach just kind of has all that. It's got all the guitar distance, all the Bronca kind of influence stuff, but it's also like they were just as into the Ramones and it's just as yeah. Ramonesy as anything they did too. It's got that great beginning where <clears throat> it's basically plugging the amp in kind of over and over again a little bit. I have, I have <laughs> a, yeah, I have a note about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which that was I, super yeah. oh, <laughs> And it's just something, I mean, that is like the most Sonic you thing I can kind of imagine. Yes on a record you know so so emblematic of what of what kind of what they did oh my god you know and I, then the weird the I weird thirst and lyrics anyway go ahead about the, oh yeah well no i think I, so this sister sister and daydream were kind of my two sonic but it, uh-huh. sister's always kind of been the one for me too uh-huh. and i think i heard and i got into sonic youth via nirvana um mm-hmm. cool because nirvana broke when i was in sixth grade and uh-huh. like 
I could do a whole podcast about sure. all those cliches. Sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but so I think I was like 12 when I mm-hmm. heard this. And that part where they're plugging in their amps and that <laughs> it made such an impression on me. And uh-huh. it's, and I was thinking about it, one of the very first ever sort of quote unquote experimental pieces of music I did mm-hmm. was, I was probably 14 or something. Uh-huh. And it was just entirely made of those sounds. And it was awesome, directly awesome. like a rip off of this idea. That's so Cause cool. I just thought, yeah. I heard, I just remember hearing a thing like, I know what that sound is. Whoa, that is, you could <laughs> use that in music. That's yeah. cool whoa yeah uh, yeah it and, is incredible because it i love the fact that it's got the randomness it's almost a little behind the scenes almost like oh hey we're getting to hear them set up but at the same time what they end up doing after it almost is like an echo of the rhythm they made out of the plugging in and out yeah. kind of thing and it and it act, it does flow into the song too even though i don't yeah, think it had exactly. to you know it could have worked without right. doing that but <laughs> but it does yeah know. yeah and songs like this too kind of remind i, I I forget this sometimes, but like Lee Ronaldo is one of my favorite guitar players. Like, yeah. they live. God, I oh, love Lee oh, Ronaldo. Oh, amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, what a yeah. great song. Yeah. What a great song. What a great album. Yeah. It really shows what Steve Shelley brought to them, too, which I love the Bob, yes. Bert, Bob Burt and Richard Edson versions of the band, but Steve Shelley, like, he could play a punk yeah. song. And, and Man. you know, <laughs> that really helps yeah. that song. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, I, yeah, I love this song. It, it, it was really fun having, because I don't know, I hadn't listened to this in a while mm-hmm. and i just started listening to this i was just like okay i'm just gonna listen to the whole album and then uh-huh. you remember it, you know when you haven't listened to something that like this that you've loved mm-hmm. for so long you haven't uh-huh. listened to it for a while you hear it again and it just reminds yeah. you of it's like oh man well actually sometimes you listen to it, you're like i really love this but no with this uh-huh. it was <laughs> yeah. it was just yeah, yeah. this is this is uh-huh. great yeah, that's cool there's a there's also a cool great. thing you know when they got onto matador matador was doing this thing where if you pre-ordered albums they would send you these extra things like demo things and stuff and when the eternal uh-huh. came out they they want one of the things they included was this demo version of catholic block with no vocals it's just them jamming on the oh, roof whoa. basically yeah and that's you can find that on youtube and that's awesome okay. too yeah that's always one of my my like a lot of my favorite songs have that in common that like the vocals are really integral and really essential and the lyrics are great but also it's sure. just a great jam too so if you strip off the vocals yeah. and just listen to the jam it works that way as well you know? yeah, yeah that's that's so true yeah they have so much stuff like that i mean that's yeah that's just a testament to how good they are so. yeah or definitely. were i should say they're yeah, right right anymore, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. well that's a great place to stop i awesome. appreciate so much so so much fun. Uh, book the book is out october 3rd yep and and there's a tape compilation that you can get on Bandcamp. It's sort of a sound, soundtrack to the book kind of not really. yeah it's kind of it's, it's basic couple. basically music from the last chapter of all the labels the current labels i talk about i had a bunch of them each give oh. me a track from their catalog so it's a compilation Perfect. of good current music yeah oh that's awesome <laughs> and um the music book podcast is how often does that come out? Like every other it's week every, or so? Every two weeks. Every two weeks. Every yeah, two a weeks. New, a new one just went up this morning with uh, Leora Phillips wrote a book about South African popular music for that 33 and a third genre series. So I talked to oh, her wow. about that one. So, yeah. So that's up right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Every, every guest you've had, I'm like, geez, I have my book stack is already out of control, but I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. I, there's that's a couple awesome. I already read the book. I was like, oh, thank God. I don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, could I do one yeah. more little, little plug? Um, Absolutely. I, I actually happen to have another podcast, if you can believe it. It's called The Spindle. It's all about seven-inch records. It's part oh, of this. Nice. It's part of this thing called Wastoids uh, out here in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, that's like a multimedia site and has a bunch of different podcasts on it. And my a good friend of mine and I just talk about a different seven-inch every other week 
on that pilot. It's oh, called, awesome. So if you look for either Wastoids or the Spindle on any podcast service, you'll find it there. And I think it's pretty fun. And we keep it short. It's always a half hour or less. Perfect. Uh, that's great. Yeah. Cool. And I'm, I, I can believe you have two podcasts. I have three. So, right. Four, it's fun. Oh, they're fun, you they're know, fun to do. Yeah. They're fun. To yeah. Do. You just get to talk to people about yeah. cool stuff. Yeah, what exactly. You want to do. <laughs> exactly. All right, Mark. Well, I appreciate it so much. Everybody get the book, listen to the podcasts. Thanks. And thanks again. Yeah. Thanks so much. I had so much fun talking to you. All right. Thanks again to Mark Masters. Um, amazing time. Amazing guy. Uh, it was it was fun, and I loved some of his answers. Learned a lot um, about him, and even about you know music stuff. So check out the book High Bias: The Distorted History of the Cassette Tape out now. Check the show notes. You can find all of his stuff, music, book, podcast, etc., etc. Um, as for me, thanks for listening. You can of course find me all over social media. Just look for Foxy Digital. Send me an email. Send me a voicemail. Uh, join the Patreon if you really like Songs of Our Lives and you like what Fox Digital is doing maybe more generally want to support the cause five bucks you get these episodes a week early and each episode has basically an extra exclusive Patreon section where there's a couple more questions a little more conversation it's just beefed up but it's even more fun if you can believe it that's where we that's where we stick the juicy stuff yeah um, and also check the show notes because you can find a playlist of all of Mark's picks and listen to them and Form your own opinions, right? Anyway, um, that's a lot to do. So you should stop listening to this episode right now and go do something else. But one thing you should definitely do is listen to whatever the hell you want.